Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 76. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today we'll talk about NFL Cutdown Day and all the surprises that came out of it. The undrafted free agents that made the initial final 53-man roster, the rookies that appear to be set for big roles this regular season, either as situational players or finding themselves much higher on the game day depth chart than maybe we suspected even a month ago. Also, I'll get Rick's reaction to my top 50 big board. You can find that right now on CBSSports.com. I'm guessing he has some notes. All right, we'll get to all that. But first, Rick, got a little surprise for you. Is it the, how many days are left till the 2024? Wait till oh, you see this. I showed I showed Debo this yesterday. This is what I did all day yesterday. <laughs> that is awesome. Finally, we there can- it is. So <laughs> if you're listening to the audio version, you got to go over to YouTube to see this. But it's the official with the first pick bespoke 2024 NFL draft countdown clock. And by bespoke, I mean I made it with some stuff I found laying around the old uh, house here. But the good news is. 238 days away from the NFL draft. So there you go, Rick. It's amazing. CBS spares no expense. (laughs) (laughs) This is how they used to keep time during the, like the Hoosiers basketball days (laughs) in the fifties. You had to flip the, flip the uh, time clock and the scoreboard. So we got that. So that's fun. So yeah, 238, make a note, come back every, uh, twice every week and you'll find out exactly how many days until the actual draft. By the way, if you missed it, Tuesday show, Rick and I recapped the standout performances from the final week of the NFL preseason. Talked up our guy, USC quarterback, Caleb Williams, and Notre Dame quarterback, Sam Hartman, and their debuts. And now uh, you can find all that stuff in the old podcast feed. And next week, we'll be reacting to a whole slew of college games. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm excited. Saturday, Joe Milton and UVA. Like that, Tennessee and the Vols. Yeah, it'd be great to see him, but it, it's – uh it's it's not great competition, but at least the first time you get an opportunity to see him out there as a full time guy, and it's his team. Let's see how he reacts. Good lord, incredibly disrespectful to UVA. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> you act like they they went to Ireland and played Notre Dame. All right, what about this one? Saturday night, Drake May goes to Columbia, South Carolina to face Spencer Rattler. That'll be a big one. I'm excited to watch that one Saturday night for sure. All right, and then on Sunday, got some Sunday college football, which is sort of crazy. LSU-Florida State, so that's going to be a huge game. Uh, similar style quarterbacks, so that's something to watch out for, and we'll talk about some of the um, those players who made the top 50 list. Neither quarterback did, but certainly some some defensive players did. And then the next day, 24 hours after that, Monday night, Monday night, 
college football, which is something. Dabo and the old Clemson Tigers go down to Durham, North Carolina to face my guy, Riley Leonard. Oh, God. <laughs> what are I you talking I know this is a little tease, but we got to talk about him and how high you have him up. I had a real tough time struggling on who was out of place, and uh, he was like one of the top candidates, but I went with someone else. So I'm anxious to see the response that you have after that against Clemson, who has a very good defense again this year, uh, how he plays against Clemson. Yeah, I'm a little worried, I'll be honest with you, because I remember uh, Daniel Jones struggled a little bit against Clemson, but it was Daniel Jones versus the world. Riley Leonard, I think the offensive line's a little better than it was back in Daniel Jones's day, but it's going to be a huge ask. But hey, if he comes out of there and holds his own, that's a step in the right direction. Now, if he throws four interceptions, then I don't want to talk about Riley Leonard anymore. I guess it's what's your definition of what's hold your own. Um, what's your definition of holding your own against Clemson? You, you're the one that's all over the bandwagon. So if he, so if it's like 55% completion percentage, three touchdowns, an interception, <laughs> and he runs for, yeah, let's say he runs for 40 yards. I guess if you declare that holding your own, then that's holding your own. We'll go with it. Yeah. Wow, we got low standards. Listen, we'll see. We'll see. You talked me out of some guys last year, my guy, Michael Wilson. And uh, I'm not going to let you do it this year. I will not be bullied. <laughs> All right. Finally, if you like what we do here, basically Rick giving me the business, take a second to hit the old thumbs up on the YouTubes at NFL on CBS and subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, where we get your podcast. Help us spread the word. All right, Rick, first things first. We are talking some of these undrafted free agents. Let's go with the good news first. Some of these undrafted free agents to make the roster, the initial cut-down roster anyway, because why don't you tell us quickly – how could it be the case that a rookie or a surprise player makes the roster and then 24 hours later he's waived or on the practice squad? Yeah, a lot of times it's a lot of gamemanship going on that you may carry a guy just because uh, you may be afraid that someone may claim him if you put him out on the initial list. So you may carry him for a day or two, wait till everybody gets their rosters in a practice squad set, and then make a roster move. Uh, the other scenario is they have probably made it uh, and they've cut a vested veteran because that vested veteran contract becomes guaranteed after week one. So they may carry this rookie and then put that vested veteran on the practice squad and then maybe flip them after week one. Uh, but there's a lot of ups and downs. We talked about, you know, the claiming order and how everybody's going through, and we saw guys get claimed. I think Chicago claimed three guys that I was trying to comb through the list. And the teams at the top of the claiming order, which is the same as the original draft order from last year's draft. You don't trade those. No, you try to – you take uh, – No, I'm sorry. Like the Bears traded down to nine. That, that doesn't go with them. No, 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 no. What goes – it goes back to the original list. Gotcha. Uh, claiming order, order, not what you did during the draft. So. Right. Um, so Chicago has what the second overall pick or the first, they would have the number one claiming order. So they did claim three guys. And that is really, if you have, are that high in the claiming order, then that's an opportunity to even help your ball club more and take advantage of it. And we've seen, we talked about it on some of these, uh, guys that made trades last week and right before the 53 man cut down, those are usually guys lower in the claiming order that may not have an opportunity if that guy becomes available to uh, get him or be awarded him. So uh, that's why you see some of those uh, late-round picks being swapped around or traded so they can still help 
add to their depth and to the needs that they have before they get into the season. Yeah, in fact, it's funny you mentioned that um, Houston is, I would imagine, really high on the on the claiming order. But they traded for the Steelers guard Kendall Green uh, the other day before the cutdown gay. And I was reading about that because we talked last at the end of last podcast about Kenyon Green struggling last year's first round pick. He had a knee and a shoulder, so that's part of the concern. I don't know if he's on IR, but he's not going to be playing for a while. It looks like so they were thinking ahead the front office and coaching staff there. All right, we got to have a plan because right now, I think they even moved on from Michael Dieter, who we talked about stepping in. So there's so many moving parts. You've talked about this before. This is the most hectic time of year. Yeah. And it's like the last time you can really make any type of, even though it's bottom end of roster guys or depth guys, it's the last time before the season starts that you can make any significant movement. Uh, well, wait a second. The trade deadline is usually around October 31st. Yeah, rarely you're going to trade. There's not a lot of trades going on with the McCaffrey one, but it's not like baseball or like basketball or any of these, you know, fantasy football type trades. Yeah. This is, you know, it's hard for a guy to come in, learn a new system. You know, Christian McCaffrey is the exception to the rule. (laughs) Uh, But it's also hard to take in a salary if you don't have the cap room to do it. Right. And the team trade him if it's a significant player, they have to have enough cap room to absorb all the acceleration into their cap. So guaranteed monies, uh, signing bonuses, whatever, if that's prorated out over the next two or three years and they trade that player, that all gets accelerated into this year. So if you do trade a player, it may cost you another player just because you have to stay in uh, underneath the cap. Yeah, no, those are good points. All right, some of the undrafted free agents to make the initial roster. I haven't seen any changes as we record this on Thursday morning. But let's start at the top. Andrew Carter, uh, the second. We saw him in the senior bowl. He looked like he needed to get stronger. In his defense, he was at a military academy where he wasn't working out at top flight facilities uh, as part of the football program. He had other responsibilities that were part of his his day job, if you will. Uh, I watched every one of his pass rush snaps for the Vikings this preseason. He looked like he's gotten stronger. He looked like he was uh, a little twitchier than I remember. And they paid him. I'll have to double check, but I think they paid him $390,000 to sign as an undrafted free agent, which seems extreme. Yeah, well, that's because everybody, this guy, last year at this time, we were talking about potentially being a first, second round pick. Um, So for whatever reason, and maybe all the things that you talked about, the military commitment to make sure that was cleaned up, the ability to go to off-season uh, training centers, and he stayed right at Army because of his other obligations. Uh, so didn't have a great senior bowl when we were down there and watched him. He just kind of blended in. But when a team gives that much significant guarantees in the contract, and that's not signing bonus, that's guaranteed base salary or what's referred to as paragraph five, that you're probably all in on making sure that he makes the 53-man roster because he has a lot of upside. And I think as he gets stronger and he develops, he has all the length, the athleticism that you're looking for to be a pretty significant pass rusher. And I thought it was a great job by Minnesota. One that they must've really liked him and really liked his upside. So that's why they made that type of commitment and that type of commitment uh, probably showed that they expected him to make the 53. Yeah. Andrew, I keep calling him Andrew, Andre Carter. I don't want to call him Andrew Carter. He's Andrew Carter. Andre Carter the second out of Army. Long. We talked to him at the Senior Bowl, uh, excuse me, at the Combine. Incredibly quiet, 
of that just maybe by virtue of the fact that he spent four years at the military academy and probably listening more than talking but yeah he he looked uh he was getting after it I, I liked his motor he was high energy up and down the field do you think people think that i spend a lot of time at the military academy because on this podcast i do a lot of listening and not a lot of <laughs> you're very militaristic in your uh like you need a routine in that sense you're very do you ever consider the military uh, I did get some offers from the academies coming out. Oh, so, you, you didn't want to do that? No, I, I, uh, I was promised a, uh, opportunity to play quarterback at Southern Illinois back in the day when yeah. we were division one and playing in the Missouri Valley. And they switched me to linebacker anyway, with every other college quarterback. Yeah. So <laughs> I ran scout team for a year. And then after that, uh, moved to linebacker. That's a that's an old trick because I remember even at William Mary, which is still uh, FCS. But when I was there, uh, every linebacker I knew was a high school quarterback. Everyone's a high school quarterback. You bring them in, you move them around because they're all good athletes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the compliment that you consider me a, a fine athlete. You are a good athlete. I, I know you're forty time. So look, I'm looking through some of these undrafted free agent bonuses, and they're guys that get nothing. And then there, you know, there's I think. Uh, Tyson Bajant, who we'll talk about in a second, at twenty five hundred bucks. How do you determine well, that? Well, 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 you got to understand that signing bonus. Each team's only allotted a certain amount of signing bonus to sign their college free agents. So I don't know what it is now, but let's say it's ninety thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. So you sign twenty some guys after the draft. Signing bonus wise, you only have a hundred thousand dollars to give. How you get around that is guaranteeing their base contracts. Oh, so uh, okay. Look at the total amount of guarantees. It may say $2,500 signing bonus, but you have to look at how much of the paragraph five or the base salary was guaranteed. Gotcha. And by the way, I just double checked. I was uh, off by a factor of 10. Tyson, uh, Tyson Beijing got $25,000. So didn't mean to take all that money out of his pocket. But it is interesting to see the variation because 340 is officially what uh, Andre Carter got, $340,000, which is a, a good chunk of change. Uh, another guy who got a chunk of change, Cam Jones, who I like coming out of Indiana. The, he was undrafted. I thought he had a chance to get drafted. Um, what did Ivan Pace get? Ivan Pace got $236,000. Minnesota went big on the uh, guarantees on these rookie because they. That's and when you're looking at your draft board um, and you have draftable grades on these guys, those are the guys that you want to pay because technically it's like, okay, we got bonus draft picks. Right. That's what you have to look at it. As if they're on a draft board and they happen to be a college free agent, then let's go aggressively get them if we think they're going to make our football team. And the worst case scenario, uh, if they make practice squad, Basically, you just pay them, you know, a fully guaranteed practice squad contract. Now, right. the issue is if you waive them and they get claimed, then you lost that. You lost the they, player. And they can double dip. Is that right? Because they're already paid. Oh, double dip. Yeah. Because a lot of times people will put in what they called um, language in a contract where you, you, you can't double dip it. So basically, that player would go to that team and that team would assume that contract. Oh, okay. It's called offset. Right. So Ivan Pace, Andre Carter, the second, both undrafted, 
both given big money contracts by the Vikings, both made the final 53. And we talked about this throughout the draft process. It's not like the Vikings or any other team were having conversations on draft night about, okay, should we take Andre Carter or player X who we end up taking in the fourth round? It's that this is how our board is stacked. Uh, Andre Carter and Ivan Pace are still there after the draft is over. We want these guys because we know they fit, so on and so forth. And when you're looking at your draft board, and let's say there is like five guys down there, and maybe like you're in a sixth or seventh round, why not? You know, you may ask yourself, why not take one of these guys then? And I don't know why they did or didn't do that. But if there is not a lot of depth left at that position, let's say, so you take a corner in seventh round because there's a lot more linebackers. Mm-hmm. that area and maybe only one corner that you have on your uh, draft board, your front board, then you draft that corner knowing that you're probably going to get one of those five linebackers as a college free agent. Right. And at points during the preseason, the, the broadcast was talking about how Ivan Pace was wearing the green dot. So he was doing the communication, communicating with the sidelines, which tells you how far he came along right now. He's listed second on the depth chart behind Jordan Hicks, but I would imagine he'll get some playing time. Uh, Andre Carter is listed uh, third behind Daniil and uh, Pat Jones, the second Pat Jones is out of pit. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, and he, you know, he's again, he's on the practice squad, so he he's not going to, oh, no, he's on the, on the roster. He won't be, he won't be active. Uh, on game day. He may not be active on game day. Right. By the way, it's Andre Carter. If I say Andrew, just ignore, it. I don't know why I said that. I have to figure out who Andrew Carter is. Yes. You, know, you know, Linda Carter is, you know, Linda yeah. Carter. Why oh, you do? Yeah. Look at you. I bet Debo didn't know Linda Carter. That's an old school Wonder Woman. All right. Speaking of Debo, his guy made it. And this guy probably outplayed Keely Ringo in Philadelphia, who was drafted. Eli Ricks was undrafted. And the snaps I saw, he looked like he had something to prove. He looked like a different player, um, which is sort of weird because if you're not, I don't know what he whether he was all in or not on Nick Saban, but sometimes watching him play, you get the sense that maybe he was here. He was here and there, but I thought he had a really I good preseason. Never look at his history, right? At LSU, he transferred to Alabama for one year. Uh, he had the off-field incident uh, during the summer. Uh, did not start or- originally at Alabama. Played a couple games later down the stretch. Played pretty good, except especially the Mississippi State game. Yeah, uh, he played really good in that game. Um, Biggest question on him was the speed, but he has the length and the athleticism. But I think he missed most of the year before he transferred to Alabama down at LSU. You have to go back two years or three years ago to see uh, the Eli Ricks. And he felt a lot of these kids, and I'm just putting this in an umbrella, some of these kids, I guess I would say, because of the NIL deals and everything like that, sometimes may feel entitled in general then all of a sudden they get reality smacked in the face that they weren't even drafted that they were a college free agent so all of a sudden you get that edge back and you get the uh the player that you maybe saw two three years ago but then you ask yourself does a leopard truly change his spot so let's say (laughs) he ends up you know playing and ends up becoming a good corner um, do you pay that guy or will he get fat cat syndrome or the entitlement syndrome? Like he has fat, cats. fat cat or entitlement. Are they different? In fact, I think Debo fits into that category. Uh, I'm trying to look up my computer. Fat cat syndrome. 
<laughs> oh, here we go. I got it finally. I think he unofficially ran a four six. Eli Ricks did, but I wonder what I wanted to ask you. I want to make sure I had the numbers because he didn't play four six. I thought he played faster than that. Yeah, he, four <laughs> okay. five five. Okay, whatever. He didn't have a great workout either when we were down no, in Alabama. That is a hundred percent true. But he's looked good this preseason. Congratulations to him. I thought he looked better than Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo also made the roster as a, a day three pick, who also had some first round buzz twelve months ago coming out of Georgia as a cornerback. And uh, two other guys will hit on our favorite here around the old with the first big podcast. Christian Itzian uh, made the team for the Buccaneers undrafted out of Rutgers. His teammate, Christian Braswell was drafted day three, made it for the Jaguars as a defensive back. Um, both fun players to watch. And again, it's just another example of a player who quote unquote slips through the cracks uh, over draft weekend, but is a good football player and just a, almost a numbers game. It feels like on, on over the draft. Yeah. And a lot of times it's, you know, uh, just like Ivan Pace jr. Right. It's a size there. Was, he was a, he was just a good football player. We did just good football player segments. He, I believe we talked about him as just being a good football player, uh, Christian same. But when I was down there during training camp, they thought legitimately that he could be their starting Nick corner, uh, on week one. So by the way, five eight and a half, one ninety seven at the combine, four four two. So five eight and a half is a little bit of a concern. And it was what position? He's not an outside corner. Is he a nick or is he a safety? Um, you know, so teams would probably went back and forth on him there. But Tampa Bay, and I talked to Jason Light down there, who they just loved the kid when they got him in and loved him during OTAs and minicamp, loved him during training camp, and he was actually running with the ones as a nick. Uh, during training camp down there. Yeah, I'm looking at my notes from from over the spring. I said if he were 6'1", 200 pounds, he'd be a top 50 pick. It's just a matter of uh, being 5'8 and a half. Yep. Because he he plays, he he's a he's a tear. Actually, closer to the line of scrimmage, he actually plays pretty well too, which is something you don't necessarily see from someone that size. And, and then probably the, the biggest surprise for me, based on what I saw on film last year in the fall and what we saw together at the Senior Bowl, and then I went and watched all of his snaps in the preseason. Uh, Tyson Bajant. Oh, yeah. Bears undrafted again. I thought he had a chance to get drafted maybe late because I knew that some teams liked him. Uh, went to Shepard. I think that's where he went. Yep. Division two in West Virginia. Yeah. And Debo, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, it's all the same. It's <laughs> just blatantly not true. <laughs> When I lived in Pittsburgh, we used to say there's Pittsburgh in the West and Philadelphia in the East and everything in between is West Virginia. Is that yeah. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, in, in Ohio, Northeast Ohio, we said Pittsburgh was a suburb of Canton, Ohio. Oh, Jesus. That's too. That's a bridge too far. Uh, but in terms of, like, what were your impressions of Tyson Bajan after we spent four days in Mobile, Alabama, the Senior Bowl? Well, we he had a iffy Senior Bowl. We didn't like really any of the quarterbacks down there. Yeah when we were down there, none of them really popped out. Uh, and, and a lot of these guys that didn't pop out down there goes to show you end up, uh, making the team right tune out Hayden. in Arizona. Hayner was there. Hayner. Jaron uh, Hall was there. Hall that's in Minnesota, Hayner down in new Orleans. So they all found a niche or a home. Uh, uh but this one was the biggest surprise just because, of the way he performed, usually a small school guy, you'd hope he'd really pop out at the senior bowl. And I understand it's a quarterback position, but, you know, watching him, he, he kind of tailed off now that third preseason game when I looked at it a little bit. 
Uh, well, there's a lot of good. There's in a the lot two, two and a half. And the uh, athleticism along with that size. Uh, and now they can bring his dad as the uh, maybe a sideline <laughs> reporter and arm wrestling, arm wrestling champion yeah, world. Yeah. yeah, he took your buddy Tom Pelissero on tele- national television and arm wrestling bat. I don't know what Tom was thinking, but uh, yeah, he's a Tyson's dad feels like he's the rock, like when Rock was ro- the, back in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's that yeah. sort of showman. But anyway, I mean, he's the number two. If you, if I'd said to you in January, hey, Hey Rick, I think Tyson Bajan has a chance to be a backup next year. You would have thrown me out of the stands. Yeah, no, I would have. I, I didn't see it, and I thought he was a practice squad guy because he has some physical gifts. But yeah, uh, so give credit to Chicago for developing him over that time and him. Absolutely, good for him, man. They did. Um, you know, yeah, just looking at the list that you took the snapshot of that I couldn't open up on my pewter. But, uh, <laughs> I don't, yeah. Go ahead. Dude. I always kind of like to see what teams did the best in free agency. And you say Minnesota got two guys, but Tampa Bay had three on this this list. That oh yeah, taking the well, roster. So. I had a draftable grade on Kayvon Mer- Merriweather and uh, the the safety out of Iowa, and also uh, Sean Tucker, the running back out of Syracuse. Sean had an injury concern or medical concern. I think that's part of the reason he went undrafted. But I think he's he, obviously he's he's done well enough to make that team. Yeah, and then that it looked like uh, Raheem Garrett, the Maryland uh, receiver, also made the Tampa Bay roster. Oh yeah, do I have him on here? I saw his name. Maybe I didn't get him on here as well. I think you're right. I saw his name that he made it. Um, that was a fun one. Uh, oh, there he is, right there. Yeah, he's on there, Raheem Jarrett. Because I saw that Dante Demas, his teammate at Maryland, who struggled through injuries late in his career, uh, was one of the players released. Another wide receiver that made it that I didn't think had a chance, based so nothing on his tape. His tape was fine. But he ran a four nine nine. Jake Bobo out of UCLA went to Seattle. Yeah. I watched his snaps. He's a big receiver. He gets open. He plays mostly outside. He gets open. I don't know how he does it. He said he, they asked him about the four nine nine. He said he's more of a four seven guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, look, man, uh, Anquan Bolden was a four six something guy. So it, it it varies, but yeah, you don't want to be a four nine nine guy. There's the list that Rick can't stand. I actually, I accidentally cut off the name at the bottom. Malik Heath. I love the list. I just can't open it up on my pewter. Well, I took a screenshot for Debo just so you could see the names real quick because I had it in a spreadsheet. So I and I, I know some share all this information with me as well, but that's fine. Well, when I send you the spreadsheet link, it's a 45 minute back and forth because you can't open it. So I got to I got to remember how to make sure I think if I email it to you, it works. But um, I'll, I'll forward you this in case you want it. So, oh, and the other name that made it that I and I went back and watched his um, pass rush snaps, Britton Cox. We saw him at the Florida Pro Day. He had some off-field issues. There was nothing physically wrong with him at the Pro Day during his college career. It was just off-field stuff, and he he looks formidable. Yeah. Now he he's a little rough around the edges, but he's a guy you can work with. So I wasn't necessarily surprised that he made it, but. Um, I, if you, I bet you, if you looked at this list, most of these guys we had draftable grades on. You know, yeah. from uh, Central Michigan. You remember he was down at the Senior Bowl. We liked him. Mm-hmm. I like some of the stuff that he did. Now, where were you on Keaton Mitchell, the running back out of ECU? I liked him. He was tiny, but <laughs> he was an explosive playmaker. He was a poor man's A-chain to me. Yeah. But the difference is he bounced everything to the outside. A-chain ain't afraid to run between the tackles. A-chain ain't run afraid between the tackles, but... Uh, Keaton popped out on tape when you watched him at East Carolina. And um, 
I don't know if you have any sort of anecdotal memory of this, but it feels like uh, the Rams are a team, but also feels like the, the Titans are a team in general that gamble more on non-Power 5 schools. And I'm saying that because they, they uh, signed uh, Caleb Murphy. Or Caleb Murphy made the final 53, I should say. Uh, he's a Division II guy at Fair State. He had all sorts of sack records, I believe, at Fair State, and uh, obviously a good football player. I didn't know how quickly that would translate, but they thought enough of him to to bring him along and keep him on the fifty three at least for now. Yeah, one guy, if you can, uh, and we we'll, can revisit offline. I gotta know if uh, uh, Leger Dusable's <laughs> pass rush guy. Remember we had an argument on that. He, you know what? I had two people text me, including our buddy Josh Edwards who we work with here at CBS Sports, he said, don't tell Rick that Jose Ramirez got cut. <laughs> <laughs> and that was before cutdown day. That was a day or two before. <laughs> Rick never forgets Debo. He's like an elephant on that one. That's funny. You brought up. I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to throw Lee Jay under the bus. But uh, yeah, Lee Jay's guy got cut. I don't, I don't know what his future, whether he signed somewhere else, we'll find that out. Uh, but um, yeah, he didn't make it. All right. Look, when we come back, Rick, you're going to tell us who your favorite undrafted free agent of all time is. If you don't know, i got a list, but we'll talk about that right after this. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, Rick. Did you check the pewter? Plus, uh, since uh, I got home, I watched the last uh, episode of The Lioness, which was very, it's a very intense. I think it's gotten some Academy Awards. I, I'm all in on The Lioness. <laughs> Academy Awards are for motion pictures, but uh, I'm sure there's some, <laughs> some Emmys in their future. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you're finally able to understand that you need a password and a username to watch some of these shows <laughs> and uh, that we can make it happen here at CBS Sports for you. All right, Rick, enough stalling. Who's your favorite undrafted free agent of all time? I got a long list. Oh, that I had? Oh, oh, sure. That you had, or maybe just yeah. in general. Well, it's probably Adam Thielen would be the top of the list that we've had. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, but we had CJ Ham, who ended up starting a fullback, was an alternate to the Pro Bowl that we picked out out of a small school, Augustana. Nice. That was a running back. Uh, and another guy, uh, Marcus Sherrills, who played at the University of Minnesota, that ended up being, I believe, one of the top or all time leading punt returners. Uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the, but those are the three that really kind of popped out to me just going off the top of my head. But I'm sure there's a lot that I can uh, probably think through. Uh, I'll give you another Minnesota Viking. He's pretty good. John Randall, undrafted. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was that was before my time. But I have to give credit to uh, Andre Patterson, the D-line coach now at the New York Giants. Mm. Uh, he was in Minnesota twice with us and then before uh, under Denny Green, and he was the one who identified uh, John Randall. Did you work with Denny Green? No. No, I did not. That is one of my favorite press conferences ever. I love that press conference so much. Which one? Oh, the you one. are. They, they, they were who we thought they were. We let them off the hook. 
can, can you can you send that to Debo or to Tuzavol? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, give Jose a break. All right, some other names. Uh, Kurt Warner, of course, he was stocking shelves. Yeah. Uh, my guy, James Harrison. Wes Welker. Wes Welker, we claimed him. He was uh, got him from San Diego and ended up when I was with the Dolphins and brought him to Miami. And then I believe I was thinking about this because I was like, wait a second, wasn't he drafted? But I think Texas Tech. Texas Tech. And I think that you traded him. The Dolphins traded him to, to New England for a second round pick. I, yeah, I was gone. Oh, but okay. I was sorry. Back. I, was I didn't want to bring up bad memories. No, I'm the one I brought him. He's the uh, receiver coach down there now. Yeah. London Fletcher played for 50 years, undrafted. Your guy, Cameron Wake, we talked about him coming out of Canada. You had some interest in him. Um, Jason Peters, Debo's guy. Tight end. Where do you go to college? The tackle? Yeah. Texas something. Texas Southern or something. Is that right, Debo? I don't know where Jason Peters went to college. Per not per. No, he went to um Arkansas. Arkansas, that's right. There oh. you go. And uh finally, Drew Pearson. What number was he? Uh 75. <laughs> I think he was 80, wasn't he? 80. I know. I'm just referring back to our last year. I know, I got the joke. But I used to love watching him in the 80s and, and uh, Priest Holmes. And Priest Holmes. He was a Texas. Back. He was great. Do you remember? How did he slip through the cracks? I don't know. I wasn't scouting back then, I don't think. Or I might have been just a blessed scout down in the southeast worried about my own area. You were hauling your projector around. You'd have time to be worried about NFL players at the moment. All right, fair enough. Warren Moon, Antonio Gates, Tony Romo. Oh, wait. Couple. Tony wasn't drafted? Tony Romo was uh, Eastern Illinois. Yeah, who who uh, who's the best quarterback come out of Eastern Illinois that you played against? Sean Payton. That's a good story. We had to talk about that story more. That you that was the best quarterback you faced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good quarterback. I think he still holds some passing records at uh, Eastern Illinois. That is crazy. The Panthers. Oh, they're the Panthers. Gotcha. Yeah, he's taller in person than he looks on television. Probably because he's standing around a bunch of tall guys when you see him on television. All right. By the way, Brady Quinn thought I was six feet one, Rick. <laughs> Maybe you and him should get together on estimating people coming up on the stage. <laughs> yeah, we could do the Miles Murphy show. <laughs> uh, that made my day, so I was happy to hear that. All right, let's talk about some guys who got cut, who had tough Tuesday afternoons and evenings, and some that are actually sort of curious. <clears throat> I want to start with my guy, another guy. So we talked about Tyson, ba- uh, Tyson Bajan at the Senior Bowl. Another guy we absolutely love there who just – Changed a lot of opinions, not just among us, but among NFL teams. South Carolina quarterback, cornerback Darius Rush. Yeah, he was the uh, we cl- cl- or crowned him Hall of Fame of the Senior Bowl player and most uh, valuable player of the Senior Bowl down in practices. What he showed, but that goes back to show you that the Senior Bowl and combine that is just part of the process. But what we saw at the Senior Bowl, we always didn't see on tape at South Carolina and just a couple of times where he got run by with double moves and things like that on the tapes that I watched mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden, you know, he shows up at the senior bowl. So that probably elevated him up draft boards, but that's just a pretty good example of when all the hype train starts coming out your bowl or coming off the combine and the pro days, you got to, what the one goal and one thing we always did was we always set our draft board first before we got <laughs> all that other stuff coming in because we wanted to set it up just as what we saw on tape and then all the ancillary 
uh, things that came in after that, psychological testing, medical, then we would adjust accordingly. But you have to put them on your draft board where you see their value is as a football player. Yep, six one and a half, one ninety six at the combine, ran a four three six, and then you put all that together with the. He put on one of the best one v one performances I've ever seen a cornerback put on at the Senior Bowl in, in these drills against wide receivers. And great person, great special teamer, but it you know um, Chris Ballard, the the Colts GM who drafted him in the fifth round, talked about it. It just became a numbers game, and one of those numbers was Jalen Jones. The cornerback out of Texas A&M, who I thought would get drafted higher, was a seventh-round pick, came right. along faster than they thought, and they decided to keep him. Well, I don't, yeah, Rush didn't last very long on the way. I was going to say, I don't know if they thought he was going to make his way through waivers. He yeah. didn't. Uh, Chiefs and the Chiefs got him. So the Chiefs have, in terms of physical body types, Josh Williams out of Fayetteville State, who's long. Janary Sneed, who's long. Jalen Watson, who's long. And they're all – Josh was a third-round pick. I think Legereus may have been a day-two pick as well. It was, J- it was a fourth, fifth-round pick because we were uh, we were really interested in Oh, him. okay. So then Jalen was a seventh-round pick, Jalen Watson. And then, of course, they're going to have Darius Rush to add to that mix. So I, I guess they understood, Chris Ballard did, that he wasn't going to be hanging around. Right. And you just have to feel comfortable with the, your team, right? Those are the things that – the tough decisions that you have to make. How sick are we going to feel if someone claims this guy? Yeah. Especially a guy you drafted. Have you ever had that feeling and it, it blew up in your face? Uh, I'd have to go back and remember, but there are times that I've been in situations where the coaches wanted to keep a vet over a uh, younger player, a player that we drafted, and uh, we finally worked through the issues where we kept the younger player because we knew that the vet didn't have to go through waiver claims this time of year. So you always had the ability to sign them back at some point. And now with the new practice squad rules, I think you can have up to five out of the 16, five of those guys could be vested vets. So when you say you work through it, who you ultimately make the decision, right? Or do you go even go to the owner to talk about, he doesn't care. The owner doesn't talk about these things. No, no, it's, it's a, it's a group decision and we, you have to go, you know, we hammer it out and there's some, I guess the best way to put it, adult conversations (laughs) in the the room. Yeah. As a general manager, just in, you always have to look at now, but also the future where coaches are are always, for the most part, looking at, I don't care about next year. I may not be here. I need to yeah. get this year. Yeah. So that's the, that's kind of the uh, mentality when you're in the front office is you have to kind of keep your vision on the uh, future as well. And a young guy may not be as good as that veteran or may not know the system as well as that veteran. But five, six weeks from now, uh, you know, we had a really tough, uh, I think the one that I can recall was K.J. Osborne. Yeah. He had struggled, but, uh, you know, we were going back and forth between a vested vet and keeping A.J. And A.J. we kept, which was the right decision because he ends up being a pretty good third receiver for Minnesota. So what happens if, I don't know if this is K.J.'s case or not, but if a player, a young player, rookie undrafted free agent, whatever, has – Practices pretty well in general, but maybe struggles in the preseason games. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, it's a whole global picture. It's not just in a preseason game. That's part of it. But what he's done in the OTAs, what he's done in minicamp, what you thought of him coming out, how he's done in the practices, and if you had combined practices with another team, how he did there. And then you have to just like we project what these college kids are going to be in the NFL. 
once they're on your roster, and a lot of times these rookies, you have to project where they're going to be, uh, you know, six weeks from now, a year from now. You know, you remember we talked about different categories where we put him in a specific category. This guy will be a starter, but it may take him three years to get there. Or right. this guy's a starter day one. So not rounds, but we try to put him in those specific categories. All right. Um, one of my guys got, got cut, and our buddy Pete Prisco couldn't wait to text me. Um, my top quarterback in last year's draft class was Matt Corral. Matt Corral ended up going in the third round. He made the initial 53-man roster. But then Frank Reich said we had an opportunity to sign some players that could help us more immediately. And he was talking specifically about Calvin Throckmorton. He plays along the offensive line, which meant Matt Corral was caught up in a numbers game. Now, he's currently, as we record this, still available. It looks like he may end up going back to Carolina's practice squad. But this is just not a, a good series of events for Matt Corral. He was hurt all last year with a foot injury. He did not have a good preseason. And he's behind Andy Dalton on the depth chart, who is obviously behind Bryce Young. Right. And it's a new regime that came in as well. Yep coaching staff so they didn't draft them so a lot of times you'll see some of these players that may not fit the scheme as well especially when a new coaching staff comes in uh, and they implement new schemes so then some of these guys that may be good in one scheme may not be as good in another and I don't know why Matt Corral struggled if it was with the system if it was with the language if it was with the overall learning process um, but if they bring him back on practice squad, then that they do think that he has something to him to continue to work with. Let me ask you about that last thing that you said, because I do wonder sometimes when we hear coaches and general managers say that we would love to have him back, but is it the case that, well, this is the lesser of a few evils because just in the example of Matt Corral, he knows the system a little better than if you bring in random quarterback who maybe has a little more potential, um, but would have to get up to speed, so on and so forth. Yeah, and you, you, you want to, most of the time these guys go back to their original team. Um, that either, you know, to if they get released, they go back to the practice squad. Every once in a while you see guys move on, but for the most part, especially the young guys will stay there because they already know, you know, learn the system. The, you, you know, it's like recruiting all over again. <laughs> so when you bring guys in, and I talk to them, it's like you have to re recruit them on why you're making this move and why what you see for them uh, in the future uh, on the roster and where they need to continue to develop. And this is why it's these are the best reasons why you need to stay here. So a lot of those conversations during the cutdown may be a lot more recruiting than, you know, just, hey, we're waving you and want to bring you back on practice squad because other teams have also evaluated these guys, so they may be trying to recruit them on the back end as well. Well, you might need to call your your former employee, Kevin Stefanski, and give him a recruiting pep talk because Cade York wanted nothing to do with the Browns after they cut him. Uh, they wanted to bring him back to the practice squad. He instead opted to go to Tennessee. I get it. And just a competitive nature of someone saying they don't want you and then trying to bring you back and you want to move on. Have you had experiences with that, and is that uncommon? No, uh, that can well, especially at that position, because he was a uh, villain number one in Cleveland, uh, yeah. you know, because it, because of the position. And that's one of the positions where you get everybody can see whether you're make it or miss it. So and a lot of times if he had his struggles in Cleveland and had his struggles this preseason, that maybe it's best for a new environment and to move on. You know, I always go back to Daniel Carlson, who we drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. 
who struggled. Whatever that. happened to him? Allen became one of the best, <laughs> if not the all-time greatest kicker ever in the NFL. <laughs> I can say I was the least right. Not it's not on the roster, but I was I was the least right. <laughs> Wasn't right at the time we cut him, but turns out I was okay, or we were okay. I don't want to pour salt in the wound. That wasn't the year that Blair missed the short kick in the playoffs, is it? No, we drafted him to replace Blair. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so the next year. Um, are you of the opinion, and I go back and forth on this, should you never draft a kicker or a punter? It depends, you know. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I feel like sometimes, like, Cage York coming out, coming out of LSU was a really good kicker, and it just feels like sometimes you can get the yips, and it's hard to recover from it. Right. And sometimes a new, and, and it's not physical to me. It's kicking, right. like a golfer. It's mental. 100%. And sometimes the environment and the pressure gets so great that you uh, end up uh, succeeding elsewhere uh, when the expectations aren't as high as the original place you were drafted at. Yeah, that's actually my theory for why I think Derek Carr is going to be good this year. But uh, he's not a kicker. He's a quarterback, obviously. All right. Um, Speaking of sort of weird Things are going on. Debo noted this because he talked about it. Or uh, Pat P and and BMAC talked about it on All Things Covered. Debo produced. Steelers still have two punters on the practice squad: Bradley Mann and and Presley Harvin on the roster. On the roster, sorry, yeah, on the roster on the on the fifty three, which is the weirdest thing ever. Uh, Debo's Eagles have zero punters right now. And you talked about gamesmanship earlier, sort of early on in the, in the cut down day process. Are you trading a punter for anything other than, than a seventh-round pick? And what's the, no, what's the math? If you do trade, like right now, when you're in the front office, you'll take a nickel rather than not get anything at all. <laughs> yeah, okay. So they may be currently trying to trade him. I highly doubt there'll be two punters on the roster uh, <laughs> you know, here by next week when uh, before, or maybe even before everybody uh, takes the uh, break. I think it starts tomorrow where they have the bye week where all the players are out of the building. A lot of the coaches staff and everybody. Oh, I didn't know that they got out of the building. Yeah. Well, the players, it's a mandatory, uh, mandatory bye week for them hmm. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, except, you know, Kansas city, Detroit, because they play on Thursday. So, um, but, and then a lot of the coaches will take some time off as well, just, uh, to regroup and then uh, get back at it and go through their normal week of prep. But uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, there's still a lot of roster juggling going on. And I bet you eventually if they can't trade them, Debo, don't worry. Philly will have a punter before week one kickoff against whoever the heck they're playing. No one pays attention to who's really playing except Debo. Who do they play Debo in the opener? They are going to spoil Tom Brady's homecoming to New England in week one. <laughs> Wait, what? They are up in New England? Yeah, Tom Brady, they're honoring Tom Brady. He's going to return uh, to New England outside of that that game a couple years ago with the Bucs. Um, but yeah, as long as it's not Aaron Sipos, the punter that partially cost us the Super Bowl, I am happy. <laughs> See, How about they- this, Debo? They have Jalen Hurst punt. Someone crashes in. Tears his ACL. Oh, he's out geez. there. He's Rick, I'm going to mute your mic. <laughs> Rick, what are you doing? One of your favorite players ever. You're coming up with these crazy hypotheticals. Well, no, I just like Debo would go through. I just was thinking what would Debo be like if that ever happened. Well, Debo actually paid a lot of money to go to the Super Bowl. So I think he's pretty up to speed on what it means to have your hopes and dreams crushed in person. You didn't cry, did you, Debo? Oh, boy. No, it was more of just like a. 
state of disbelief. Like I didn't speak for a couple of days. Like the first time your girlfriend broke up with you in high school. <laughs> like the first time Dino said, he said, all right, let's way, way worse than that. <laughs> way worse. There's a man with his priorities straight, Rick. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, new England and quarterbacks, Oh, Bill Belichick was doing some Bill Belichickian things where he cut Bailey Zappi, former fourth round pick, and then cut Malik Cunningham, who had played some quarterback, but was working a lot at wide receiver. Another senior bowl quarterback, by the way, that we saw there in Mobile in January. So I don't know. They're both back on the practice squad now, but I think there's only one backup. Uh, there's only Mac Jones, the only quarterback on the roster. But the math there is that you can call up the practice squad guys for up to four weeks. Is that right? Yeah. I, yeah, I believe that's the rule. Uh, but I don't be surprised if uh, Zappi's not back on the roster too. Why would you cut him? I unless they were trying to carry some guys through, uh, and that is a well, that's a Bill Belichick move. But that is a major risk. If I were playing New England and I had the flexibility uh, right. to t- claim a guy. And can you imagine if their opener and you claim Billy Zappi and kept him on your roster to get all the secrets? And I love, by the way, I love that you called him Billy Zappi. <laughs> That's the best. He looks like a Billy Zappi, Bailey Zappi. <laughs> so I'm going to look real quick. So let's see. Let's let's do this right here. So they obviously played Debo's Eagles in week one. That feels like something Howie Roseman might do, huh? No? No. Well, because of... Uh, the Mariotti and they kept uh, the other Tanner, Tanner McGee, as you like to call him. Yeah. Tanner McGee. (laughs) All right. So uh, they play green Bay. That's preseason. So they play, Oh, they play Miami week two. That's a situation. If you're Miami, you're like, "Mm, now they got more who they spend a lot of money on. uh, And they still got uh, Skylar. I believe, I don't believe they cut Skylar Thompson. No, I don't think it did either. Who's more. Who'd you say? The phenom that was with the Jets last year. Or White. I'm sorry. White. Oh, right. Mike White. They have Mike White. Yep. Mike White's the number two as yep. we currently look at it. Okay. All right. Well, that would have been a little interesting because it, it, it is incredibly dangerous. It's not like you're talking about Darius Rush, for example. You want to sneak in uh, your cornerback five or whatever. This is legit quarterback two. Started three or four games last year. You know, the media and the fans were clamoring for Bailey to be the full time starter, but Max, that's Max's job. That's um, like, not that I'm a gambler, but if you have a 17 and you go ahead and hit anyway. Right. And you pull up a three. That's exactly what it feels like. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about my top 50. And Rick's going to tell you five of his favorite picks from that top 50. Oh, another show for Rick to watch. Average Joe. Average Joe. I have to look at that. That, that's, that looks like a good one. By the way, this top 50 is not average, Rick. I will say that. <laughs> I'll give you an above average grade. All right. So, no surprise, your favorite pick of my top 50, Caleb Williams. That's the only for sure one that you had. Let me ask you this. Does it feel like completely different players, but just in terms of as we sit here in almost September, Caleb Williams being a foregone conclusion feels like Trevor Lawrence being a foregone conclusion coming out of Clemson. Yeah, and I don't think that's changing. I don't. I don't know what would have to happen for that to change. No, um, but it. It. Uh, yeah, it, he'd have to. Um, you know, I don't want to wish any goodwill, but if something happened where he got significant, he returned to school, for example, that would be one way. Yeah, 
that's yeah. not happening. So that's, I see it very hard for him not to fall that number one spot. And by the way, Debo, if you're watching on YouTube, this is the, my top 50 on CBSSports.com. I, I actually said it sounds silly when you say it out loud, but Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes comparisons are going to be a thing, and it's not that much of a stretch. That's a question mark. No. Well, if you want to be honest with yourself, he is way better than Patrick Mahomes when he came out. Whoa, okay. clip it, Debo. Patrick Mahomes was not the number one overall pick by a lot of people. No one thought him as a number one overall pick when he came out of Texas Tech. Right. So he's um, more uh, he, he's further along in his game now than Patrick was coming yes. out of Texas Tech. Yes. Yeah. But similar physical traits, playmaking ability, everything that we've talked about on him. All right. Number two on my list is Marvin Harrison Jr. And he was number two on my way too early mock draft that came out the day after the 2023 draft. Um, would you have a number two on your board or would you rather have a quarterback like Drake May? Well, I think if you're just going based off of ability right now, not like need of another team or where right. they draft, this is just ranking them as football players. Mm-hmm. I I totally agree with this. That he is a number two or one B if you want to say that. Yeah, you're you're under no circumstances seeing Marvin Harrison go first overall. No. Let me look at I have the Super Bowl odds draft order, which is a little different. These are the chances that your team wins a Super Bowl. I, I only know this because I have to do a mock draft in a couple of days, the first one that I'm sure we'll hit on. So heads up, Debo, my mock draft. My first mock draft of the 2024 season comes out September 4th. Um, like the Colts, for example, they they're have very low odds to win the Super Bowl. If they have the first overall pick, you're going to try to trade it. But if you can't, you're taking Marvin Harris. Yeah, you're not taking another quarterback. Right. Okay. But it's going to, a lot has to happen for Marvin Harrison to be the first wide receiver taken since 1996 when Keyshawn Johnson went first overall. All right. In the top five, if you're, if you're listening, is Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle out of Penn State. Number four is Drake May, the quarterback out of North Carolina. And number five is Joe Alt, the tackle out of Notre Dame. We've talked about all these guys on the summer scouting series, which is in the old podcast feed. Um, Rick, is Ola Fashanu too high for you at three? No, I agree okay. with everybody. The only thing I would have probably put Alt down. Uh, a notch. Let me ask you about that because our buddy Pete Prisco called me yesterday to go through the list with me. He actually didn't hate it. He had a few comments, no surprise, but he is of the opinion that Alt should be lower too. What are you guys seeing that I'm not seeing about Joe Alt? Because I love his game. Yeah, he's a good foot. I just don't know if he has left tackle athletic ability that he may be better on the right side, but he is a good football player. I just don't know if he is an elite left tackle athlete. Okay, fair enough. I, I tell you what. He looked like Jonathan Ogden against Navy. So if he plays Navy every week, he's going to be the first overall pick. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do six through 10, Debo. Then we'll hit Rick's too high and too low rankings. So number six, and this may be too high for you. You didn't put it on the list, but Brock Bowers tied in. Is that too rich for you? No. Oh, good. He's a top 10. And Love then it. I could see uh, you went right to Alabama. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, yeah, I did go to Alabama. So yeah, seven. Alabama. Alabama. Seven is Jared Verse, the edge rusher out of Florida State. He'll get an opportunity on uh, Sunday night against LSU to play. And then three in a row, J.C. Latham to tackle, Dallas Turner, the edge rusher, Kool-Aid McKinstry, the cornerback out of Alabama, all those guys. What do you feel about the six through ten? Yeah, I like it. I think those are the next group. I wouldn't argue with that. So, you know what? It's funny. You love Kool-Aid a lot. I like Kool-Aid, but I don't know if I love him yet. I, I like the other kid. I don't want to keep talking about him because he's so young. Out of Clemson. I think it's going to be close. 
Yeah, we'll see. I haven't done the young kid out of Clemson yet because what is he like a redshirt freshman? He's 19. I don't like talking up these kids because they're so young. You're you're uh, may not be able to get into Clemson if we ever go to their pro day. I know you're right. <laughs> you're screwing around with their uh, one of their corners. Yeah, stay in school, kids. All right, let's take a look quick. I already told you your favorite. Your your uh, favorite here was um, Caleb Williams. Too high. And Debo goes right to it at number 12. Patrick Paul out of Houston. We talked about Josh Jones, who just got traded. He was a third-round pick out of Houston a few years ago from Arizona. Uh, he went over to, incidentally, the Texans. Patrick Paul's a better player coming out. I think because of the need at offensive tackle, he has a chance to get drafted in the first round. This may be- Again, are you doing this based on – you're saying he's a 12th best player based off what you've seen on last year's tape? Well, when you put it like that, no, it's okay. It's, that's what I do. I'm literally looking at your list. I'm going according to what Debo's saying because well, Debo's not saying this. I'm saying <laughs> Debo sets the rules. Oh, the rundown. Yeah, right. That's right. Those are Debo's rundowns. So, so here's hey, I, Patrick Paul is the 12th best player in the country next year uh, coming into this season. No, not no. off of 22. You're right. But here's here's sort of what I'm doing. I'm sort of projecting as well. That's how you get some of these names on here that you have issues with. So I think Patrick Paul has a chance to end up being a top 15 pick. So right right now, no. Like Tumaloa uh, is better. Abuka is better. Even Jerzon Newton could be better. But I think Patrick Paul has a chance to get drafted higher if he has a good season. I am basing it off the guys I saw in 2022. And Patrick Paul was not the 12th best player in the country or going into the draft. He may end up there in 23, but he has to prove it in order to get that high of a ranking. If you are a team that needs an offensive lineman and you're picking top 15, are you taking him? No, not, not today. Okay. Okay. What's tomorrow? No, I would not. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Amika Buka is at 14 on my list. Wide receiver at Ohio state. You would take him top 15. Yes. And what about Jerzon Newton, who I like a little bit more than you do the defensive lineman at Illinois. Uh, I think he should be in the twenties. Okay. All right. We're not far off. That's fine. I will note my guy, Barrett Carter, the linebacker out of Clemson's on this list. I'll get, you can say right there, Debo. I'll get to that in a second. And I mentioned that because your guy, the other Clemson linebacker, whose name escapes me, whose dad played, what's his name? Trotter. Yeah. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Sorry. Is not on my top 50. How do you feel about that? I could see that. Oh, okay. A football player, but I could see him not just because he's a better football player than athlete. But uh, I, so I can, I'm not going to argue totally with that. Okay. I was expecting more pushback. Um, all right. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see we're at picks 33 through 39. And before I get to the pick that you think is too low, I want to ask you about JJ McCarthy because I went and watched him and. I struggle to put him on this list as top 50. I know some teams like him. I know he's athletic, but I just had some questions. And again, I'm going on the Rick rule now. Based on what I saw last year, I don't know if he's a top 50 pick, but I think he has a chance to be. Yes, he does. Because of his athleticism and his playmaking ability, uh, but he is pretty thinly built or lean, uh, needs to add some bulk and strength, and needs to become more accurate as a passer. Although he makes some off-schedule throws, but... Uh, you know, if you want to lump him with your guy that you have way too high, uh, Leonard Riley from Duke, you can lump those two together. That's I don't know about that. He's going to prove you wrong. Uh, Riley is against Clemson. So <laughs> tune in Monday night for that. All right. 
Another guy you think that I have way too low. I'm going to get my French accent ready here at number 36. Mason Smith. Yeah, Mason Smith. <laughs> That's a fly man at LSU. Listen, in my defense, you talk about watching tape. He had four snaps in 2022 before he tore his ACL, unfortunately. He didn't uh, – uh, Right. And then he's going to be suspended the first game of this year for some stupid violation. That's not even, it doesn't make sense, but that's another conversation. So I don't have a lot to go on. Yeah. I did some 21. So I cheated a little bit and he's just too big and too athletic um, that I had a good enough feel to say that he should be in the first round or she should be higher than that. Mason Smith is uh, <laughs> it's Mason. Quit, so we're going to start calling him Mason. Mason. I can't wait till he comes up to the combine stage. Oh I'm going to tell him it's your idea. All right. So you move Francais. What? That's, do you speak French? Oh, look at that, Debo. Multilingual. I'm just saying something. All right. I want to ask you quickly. I have six quarterbacks on this list. One, two, three, four, five. Where's the sixth one? Um, Drake May, Caleb Williams, we talk about. Riley Leonard, you're not as high as I am. Quinn Ewers at 32. How are you about that? I, I, I would say that I'm okay with that. Okay. And I'm excited to see uh, see if he moves up this year. And uh, the Alabama game will be very interesting. We talked about J.J. McCarthy at 39. Two spots before him. Did you have an issue with Bo Nix at 37? Because I think Bo Nix has a chance to be good. Yeah. I, I would have him in the third round. I wouldn't have him. I'd have rich. him in the top, top 50 right now. Yep. Okay, fair enough. And by the way, I do have Jeremiah Trotter on this list. I double. He's at 41. I, I got ahead of myself there. Um, how do you feel about me having Arizona State tight end Jalen Conyers on this list, the guy that we talked about during Sunday uh, scouting? We're giving credit to Pete for one. He finally got right in the preseason. <laughs> so, yeah, I do like him because of what I've seen at the end of the season and when they start throwing him the ball. Um, and uh, I think with his size, he's got unique size. He has some athleticism. He is a true traditional wide tight end that has not only blocking ability, but receiving ability as well. So he's a little bit of a rare, rare bird. Yeah. Um, just because of the size and the ability to do both. Any other quarterback you would have liked to have seen on here that didn't Michael Penix junior. No, no. We're, this, this it'll, is it'll be interesting to see if your boy Milton creeps up on this list as you as we Joe Milton. Yeah, he needs to. I, I would like to see him play well. That would yeah. be fun. The only and, guy uh, at number fifty that I really liked a little higher was the, uh, and we'll see him against LSU is uh, Jaheim Bell. Oh yeah, he's the, fun. The uh, transfer from South Carolina, who's a tremendous athlete, who for some reasons that remain a mystery, could not get on the field of South Carolina. No but I think he'll be on the field at Florida State. <laughs> I agree with that. All right, that's it. If you like what we do here, take a quick sec to give us a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you love what we do here, take a step further and subscribe. Give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. That's a wrap on episode 76. 238 days, Rick, for the draft. Just check the board. Thanks, as always, to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. And thanks to all of you who watched, listened, and comment. We'll be back on when? Next week. What's today? Thursday. We'll be back Tuesday. Tuesday. Next Tuesday. To recap all these college football games, have a good weekend, everybody.